So glad to see you this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. What a beautiful day for church, and this is my kind of weather, got to be honest with you. Keep it around 60, 65, I'm there. And I know I'm, I might not be alone in that, but I don't think I have a majority either. But uh, it's good, to, good that you're in the house of the Lord. You know, I don't know what's been going on in your life this week, but I'll tell you one thing. God's your answer, and today we're going to, uh, we're going to just ask God to give us a, a, just a, a harvest of faith that would just uh, saturate our hearts and our lives and, uh, and touch us in every special way that you can imagine. And that's going to be good. I want to read from the Word of God. You know, this is the Bible. This is the Word of God. And every sentence, every phrase is breathed out by God himself. That's powerful, isn't it? You know, you read one word out of this thing, one word, and it has power to it. I, I'm just, I think I'm, I'm just getting a kind of a fresh revelation in my heart about the power of the word and what it, what it can do in people's lives. I want to read a very powerful section from the last book of the Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, verse 1, listen to what it says. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to bring all things that he saw. <clears throat> Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things that are written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who were before the throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler over kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. And he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all of the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word. It is eternal. It is the living word of God. <clears throat> breathed from your heart into our hearts this morning. So, Father, I pray that, <clears throat> Lord, that you would stir our hearts, not just stir us in the sense that, Lord, that we, uh, that, that we become aware of something, but, Father, that we are motivated in our lives, motivated because of the Word of God, the motivation to serve you with a, with a great, greater level of activity. <clears throat> Father, fill us with hope today. Fill us with the life of God today. 
Father, I pray that this is a day today in which we will remember all of our lives, a day of turnaround, a day of restoration, a day of victory in our lives. Father, we thank you today. There is no problem that has come into our lives today or over the past week or perhaps even looms ahead that you are not aware of and that you cannot take care of. And so, Father, we thank you today. We thank you that our lives are held in your hands. And we thank you that the Lord is at hand. And behold, he comes again. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Actually, I'm going to read two verses uh, to you, beginning in verse number 2. Isaiah chapter 54, beginning in verse number 2. The Bible says, Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make desolate the cities of the inhabited. I've been looking forward to speaking and sharing this message all week long, really, and, and just have it in my heart in a great way. The Coca-Cola Company is the world's largest producer of syrups and concentrates for soft drinks. Approximately half of the colas that are drank every day in the United States are a Coke product. If you go overseas, let's say, Scott, if I could take you with me and we'll just drop into, let's say, in the middle of China or Mongolia. And we don't speak the language. We are clueless as to what these people are even saying around us. We don't know anything. And we walk up to some little store and say, I want a Coke. This is what they will hand you. They know what that word is. I want a Coke. You will get a Coke. Now, it may not be cold. Probably won't be, in fact. And it may not be in a can either. But uh, people know what you're talking about, and that's all over the world. Now, know that this happened by accident. The Coca-Cola Company <clears throat> was founded in 1886, and uh, it was just kind of a mediocre company. It wasn't doing much of anything until a new CEO was named. His name is Robert Woodruff, and that was in the early 1920s. And he became a driving force behind the company called Coca-Cola. In fact, he articulated a vision with these words. Listen to them carefully. In my generation, it is my desire that everyone in the world would have a taste of Coca-Cola. And basically, he accomplished that. Let's fast forward to June 25th, 2017. That's today. I wonder if we cannot echo again the words of Mr. Woodruff with this modification. In our generation, it is our desire to correctly present the gospel to every person in our area 
and have them understand what we just said. I think that's critical. I believe with the help of God it can be done. I believe in the church. Ever since I got saved, I believed in the church. There's never been a moment of my Christian life where I felt like the church was inadequate, where I felt like the church was something I would thumb my nose and think I could somehow live without the church. Good church, bad church, whatever it is, I love the church. I love what it does. I love what it means. I love what it stands for and everything else. I believe it's the responsibility of the church to lead the way in taking the message of the gospel, literally taking the message of the gospel down every street, into every community, every farmstead, up to every doorway, every place, whether it be a factory, whether it be a college, whether it be an elementary or a middle or a high school, I believe the gospel needs to be spoken into people's lives. I believe God has given the responsibility to the church. And he appropriately equips the church for this unique job. What is the focus of the church? What is our vision? <clears throat> what do we want to accomplish with what God has given us? It would be easy for many to say, let me be entertained. Let me be comfortable. Let me to enjoy just simply what I've got around me. But you will not find that anywhere in the New Testament. Not one shred of that. Not one word of that. The most exciting book in the New Testament has to be the book of Acts. Because what we see there is the development of the church under the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit himself. God himself guiding the development and leading his church. Acts chapter 1, we hear the last words of Jesus. And they are spoken to his disciples who said, that I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit so you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. That was his word. He spoke it to the church. Acts chapter 2. God shows us the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is how this word is going to get to every nook and cranny in the world. It is going to be because of the power of God's spirit, not because of my ingenuity, not because I'm smart, not because of anything that I could create. It's because of his spirit. By my spirit, says the Lord. You take the spirit out of this church this morning, and you're going to have one of the deadest meetings that you could ever imagine. Acts chapter 3. John and Peter are walking down the street. A blind man calls out to them. He wanted to be healed of his blindness. Peter and John had never done this in their life before. Never been required to do anything. Never been asked to pray for a blind guy. And they turned, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, did you hear it? In the name of Jesus. And the blind man sees. And this creates a dynamic, powerful, this was heard through all of Jerusalem. 
the news spread of what God is doing. People are getting saved now. People are coming to Christ, realizing, realizing the, what Christ is doing in people's lives. Acts chapter 4 comes along. And here's the first persecution. We need to understand, saints of God, that any time that you desire to take the gospel to any place, any person, any community, whatever it is, you will be, <clears throat> you will be opposed by the enemy of our souls, the devil. You will be opposed in this church. We need to understand that. I don't, I, sometimes I don't think we understand that very well. But there is an opposition. There is an opposition to what God wants to do. There is an opposition to hold it back, to push it back, to retard the motion in all of these things. Peter speaks. He said, we're just doing what God is telling us to do. But you guys aren't educated. You guys don't know what you're doing. We're the people around here. We're the, we're the big shot religious people. We ought to know what's going on. And the Bible says once again they were filled with the mighty Holy Spirit and did great works for God. And God increased his church. That was in Acts chapter 4. And it goes on and it goes on. The church goes forward today. Listen to me very carefully here. Here is the recipe. The church goes forward today because we desire it to go forward and then we roll up our sleeves and go to work. We want it to go forward and then we go to work so that it will go forward under the direction and the power of God and his spirit. We need a host of people who are willing to do these things, a host of people that will rise up and say, I am no longer going to just sit still, sit in my pew, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I am going to get involved in this thing, and I want to take this gospel wherever God would direct me. I'm opting out of comfort. I'm opting out of the easy. We should not, in this church, be begging for people to help us in VBS. We should not be begging for people to teach our Sunday school classes and all of these things. Listen to me carefully. I'm going to jump ahead. We have great leaders in this church, great volunteers, but hear me, our bench is shallow. You know what I mean when I said that? Do you know what I mean over here when I said that? Do you know? Shake your head. No, I don't. Clueless. Okay, he's still clueless. Our bench is shallow. And that's a problem. Unless there is a definite decision by, made by a large number of people, then the question asks, do we really want to move forward? Do we love to see the growth? But what's my part in the investment in that growth? What is my part? How do I invest? A broad range of people make this kind of decision. And unless that is made, it is easy to drift along. It is so easy to just simply go along, to drift along. Like a little piece of wood in a, in a slow-moving stream. It just drifts along. Business as usual, usual, and we slowly lapse into spiritual complacency and even lukewarmness. 
Don't tell me that that can't happen because it's happening all around us. You can see it. It's visible. I don't want complacency. I don't want lukewarmness. And so God uses a picture in Isaiah chapter 54 of a tent. And he basically says, I'm going to pour out my spirit like never before, but you need to get ready to stretch out the curtains, get some longer tent cords, get better stakes, because I'm going to do a work in your body, in your midst, what God is doing today. Verse number two says, enlarge the place of your tent. I do not believe this is trying to suggest build a bigger building. But I believe it's saying get involved with what's going on around you in the communities around you and winning people to Christ. Strong churches, hear me saints, strong churches like Faith Community Church has a responsibility and an obligation to reach communities, to reach people for Christ. God has given us much. God has blessed us with resources. And they're not just to sit on. They're to, utilize, they're, <clears throat> they're to be utilized to touch a lost world, to touch lost communities. We are to stretch out the curtain. Verse number two again. And you can walk through these. These are all found in verse number two. Talks about stretching out the curtain. I like, enla like the, the enlarging our tent, and God is calling a church to reach the people. I'm fully convinced that every person <clears throat> in this entire area has a right, and we have a responsibility to present an adequate presentation of the gospel so people can get saved. That's what the church is for. That's why we desire to develop LifeGate Fellowship. A church plan in the city, in the county of Humboldt County, 9,800 people living in that county, 8,300 of them, this, I'm sorry, 83% of them this morning are not in church. If you don't believe me, go ahead and go back to your neighborhood in Humboldt. <clears throat> Drive around the block a couple times, and you'll find <coughs> eight out of 10 people. Cars are in the driveway, they didn't go to church. This should still our hearts and our desire. This, sh th I, this should stir our hearts, I, I, I should say, and our desire to reach people right at our own doorstep. If it does not stir our hearts, then perhaps we become like the Ephesian church in Revelation chapter 2 and beginning in verse 1. A church in which coldness had set in. A church in which a chill had set into the hearts of people. A chill concerning the loss that was around them. Verse number two calls us to lengthen your cords. I believe this means to make them stronger, and let me, let me speak about the home base for a moment here. I believe this is suggesting raising up, raising up and producing some new ministers of the gospel. I am a little bit bugged in this church, because I've been here nine years, and I haven't seen one person go into ministry, full-time ministry. I'm bugged. So, there. I keep asking myself, do we really need another lawyer? Do we need another engineer? Do we need some more? <laughs> Take that down the road however far you want to go. But I tell you what, we need some more preachers. 
preachers that have the fire of God working in their hearts, that are well-trained, that are equipped, that are ready to go. And I think we've got people. I'm praying about some people. I've got some names in my head that I pray about. And I'm just praying that God will put monstrous roadblocks in their life, trip them up. I, I mean, I don't care. I'm just, I just put, let them flunk out of UNI and Iowa State and Iowa, University of Iowa. And the only place they can go is a decent Bible college. And I'll give you some hints on that one too. We need people sitting in this room. You know what? We also, <clears throat> we also need some people. You know, when I was at the college, 30, 30% of our, uh, our student population were people that were over 40-some years old. And we called these second career people. They'd already worked 20 years for somebody or something or whatever they'd done. They were second career people. And God was calling them. Listen, you, you need to understand this. You need to understand this. This is big. Just because you're over the age of 40 or 30 or 25 doesn't mean that God isn't calling people. He is. You better, you better, you better capture this one. God is calling people to serve in the harvest fields. And some of these people that graduate, they were 45, 50, 55 years old. They are some of the best pastors that you can imagine. They're doing a great job. You know why? They've already been in the world. They know all about the world. They know all about this stuff. You know, a 21-year-old, what do they know? <laughs> I'm sorry, Earl. <laughs> you know what? Next Sunday morning, we're going to find out how much Earl does know. Because he's going to be standing right here. And he's going to bring the hot message and, and everything. And I'm going to sit right there with a clipboard. And, <laughs> and uh, we'll spend a couple hours after the service debriefing. <laughs> you bring your clipboards too. Verse number two also adds to strengthen your stakes. This is telling me something also on the home front. Right here, we've, we need to get stronger, I think, in this area. And it can only come through prayer. All of these things are going to demand more and more prayer. We need to think about driving the stakes, of the, <clears throat> the, the stakes deep so that they are ready for the full force of God's move and God's revival that he wants to, that he wants to, bring, uh, to bring to our lives. I want to spend the rest of the time here giving you an update on LifeGate Fellowship. And I'm going to, I'm going to be pretty, uh, pretty straightforward with a lot of things here because I'm going to tell you right now, as far as I'm concerned, this is my assessment, but I think it's very correct. We are what we call high-centered. You, know you know what it means to be high-centered? You know what it is? You don't know what it means? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I was high-centered once on Interstate 29. I was driving in a place where I shouldn't have been driving. And as long as I kept going about 40, 45 miles an hour in deep snow, I was okay. Unfortunately, I got behind somebody, and they, uh, they made a mess. 
and I had to slow down, I had to stop, and what I found, I was high-centered. Snow had built up under my car. The wheels were spinning, but I wasn't going anywhere. Does that help? That's what high-centered means. How do you get high-centered in Pocahontas County? I don't, I don't know, I really don't know, unless you have snow around. But anyway, I was high-centered, I couldn't go anywhere. I mean, I was, I was going, but I couldn't go anywhere. Everything was working, everything was moving. I couldn't get anywhere. I couldn't get any traction. That's where we are with LifeGate. It means we're going in the right direction, but we're not making the necessary progress to get the church up and running strong. Churches today are built by teams. And when I say that, I say build the church, I, I, I just want to, I want to tell somebody in here that may be confused about that. We're not talking about going out and buying 10 acres and spending 2 million bucks and build a building. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about building a body of believers, a body of Christ. That's what I'm talking about when I say the church. Here's what we need. I'm going to share with you exactly what we need and asking you to respond. First of all, we need a prayer team. We need a strong group of committed prayer warriors who know how to pray. I'm talking about what I call warfare prayer. Storming the gates of hell on behalf of LifeGate, on behalf of faith. Because the enemy's attack isn't going to just be in one place, it will be in both. And we need a group of people committed to praying fervently, fervently, that nothing is going to stand in the way. Can you be a prayer warrior? I'm not talking about just doing it one day after the message is done. I'm talking about consistently on an ongoing basis. Number two, <coughs> we need to develop a leadership team. This is highly committed people who are going to stand together and help guide the various areas of the church development. They're people who are going to carry some burdens. They're going to be doers. And I just stand around people, they're going to be doing stuff, helping, guiding, making things happen, and I ask you, can you be a leader in this area? We need people on a ministry team, and this is what I'm talking about. This is a team of people who will engage, <clears throat> especially after the launch, to be able to write notes, to welcome people, make phone calls, greet people. In other words, ministry, pray with people, help people, and all of these things. This is ministry. I ask you to join this ministry team. It's people that we're reaching who normally don't go to church. They don't have a church. And if they have a church, they don't go to it. And we want them to know Jesus. It's a team that will know how to lead people to Christ. It's ministry. Number th four, we're looking for a launch team. And by this I mean a large group of people that will be able to help fill spaces up. 
and fill, help fill part of a room anyway. Uh, help people and welcome people and to be able to stand at tables and greet people and usher people. I'd love to see about 40 people out of this church right here to be able to kit, commit to the next four to six months to help us get this church up and running and strong and operating hopefully on its own by then. We need a strong team because there's so much to do. We need help in the following areas. We need people who can help us with audiovisual, tech support, outside signage, inside signage, ministry setup, ministry teardown, equipment transportations, musicians, musical equipment, all of these things, hospitality, resources, nursery, and there's probably a few more that I, I can't even think of right now. Just a number of things. We know this, and I don't want you to forget this, but there is a real correlation between the number of people on a launch team and the church's average weekly attendance. Guys, would you go to that uh, one graphic? I want you, can you pull it up? Skip, I think you skip one and you'll get it. Can you get it? There it is. I want you to take a look at that <clears throat> because those vertical lines, those vertical lines right there, let me see if I can read it right. Okay, this line right here, this line right here, these are the average launch team sizes right here, and this is the average attendance. You get 20 people, your average attendance jumps up. These are, this is a correlation that's been studied over and over and over. This isn't just guesswork, this is actual. And that's why a launch team becomes so important in the start of a new church. It's because there are people there already. You know, how would you feel if you came into this church on a Sunday morning and, and there were about five people sitting in here? That's why you need a launch team of 30, 40 people or something like that that can begin to fill up spaces so it doesn't look empty. The place that we're thinking about going in seats 450. You put 25 people in there and that's an awfully empty building yet. So we need people that can help do that and work, <clears throat> and work at that. Then let's go back now to life group leaders. Jump back to that frame, if you will. This is from day one. This is a church that's going to know life, life groups from its very beginning, from its infancy. Not trying to start it when it's 30 years old, but starting it on day one, on day one. We want to be able to immediately connect people to the church, and this is usually a great way for this to happen through, through these life groups. Incidentally, and I want you to know this, we're going to be doing some things here at this church that is going to be more intentional about connecting people here at Faith Community Church. Look for some things in the coming days and months ahead and things like that. We've also talked about pathways. These are roads to discipleship. Churches have problems here. I, in fact, very few churches get this one really right and really smooth. They just struggle with this one, and we're no exception to that. The pathway to discipleship must be simple. It's got to be clearly marked. It's got to be communicated frequently, and it's got to be communicated creatively whether it's at FCC or LifeGate or wherever it's at, 
We want to know, to people to know Jesus. We want them to love God. We want them to love the Word. We want them to love the church. And we want them to serve in the church. And that's what we want here too. And so we desire to create pathways for that to happen here and certainly to happen there. LifeGate. We want to be able to utilize social media to connect people to people. In fact, we already have a web address, simply lifegatefellowship.church. And if you go there right now, this is what you're going to read. It's not developed. It's going to have lifegatefellowship.church and these words, is a totally awesome idea that's being worked on. That's what you'll read. But it's there. We have a presence in that. Church is going to respond as a, as a more simple church without the complexities that sometimes becomes a part of a church. A church of vision, a church of hope. We're praying that within six months of the launch of the church, we'll begin to, begin to offer Sunday school programs at that point. This church is going to endeavor to try to over-deliver each week, and it will be a church of the Spirit where God's people and God's touch is going to be upon people's lives when they come there. We hope to be able to get into Humboldt High School, into the auditorium and some of the other related areas around there. Um, would you put that next slide up, churches at schools? Those dark, heavy lines, those dark, heavy lines represent attendances where... <coughs> Churches that start, churches that meet in school and their attendance level, and it's interesting, it's almost a doubling of if they were meeting somewhere else rather than at a school. For whatever reason, people seem to like to come to schools. And so churches started in school. You can see this, even after four years, there's clear doubling of attendance at a place in a school. We'll be asking God to help us in many ways, many areas. I believe I want to just share three things with you in closing. I believe there's a need for a fresh mentality. We have never done it that way before is a phrase that fortunately we will never have to hear at LifeGate because we've never done anything before. So that kind of makes it easy. We have never done it that way before will not be a tripping hindrance. It will not exist. We believe God is going to build his church, and he's asking us to step up and engage in the process. We're going to use new methods. Methods, we talked about social media and the internet. We need to understand that nothing is done without the work of God's Holy Spirit. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If we're to face the buzzsaw of hell, it's going to take more than just good intentions to win the day. It'll take God and his power and his work to touch our lives. And there will be a new motivation. Actually, it's an old motivation that's been, that we don't even need to repackage. And it's the motivation is there are a lot of people that need Jesus. They're lost. And we need to do something about winning them. When we talk about and read in the Revelation and, and hear the words... Behold, I come quickly. And you read those words over and over. What does that mean to us? It means that he's coming. 
It means that the work that God has assigned to the church must be done, and it must be done soon, because time simply is running out. It's that simple. Look at the culture around you. Look at, the, look at, look at what's happening spiritually. Look at, look at the things in our government. Look at the things in our society. And we, we see the reflections of the words of Paul, for instance, speaking to Timothy on two occasions, in First and Second Timothy both. We see the reflections of Jesus, how he described <clears throat> the end when he, when he himself was responding to a disciple's question. These are all important. <clears throat> I, hope, <clears throat> I hope long ago you realized this, but I've got to be honest with you, I didn't come here to maintain some kind of status quo. I've never been a good status quo person. And I'm not about to start at this stage of my life to just maintain status quo or create some kind of a complacent, comfortable environment. That's not for me. I wasn't built that way. I do not believe the church was ever meant to be a waiting room for the saints to just hang out in and die and have a nice place to have the funeral. I believe the church is meant to be a hospital. It's meant to be a rescue mission. It's meant to be an emergency room. It's meant to be a trauma center where the traumatized people of our culture, and they're all around us. They're everywhere. They're around this church. They're around what we hope to develop and build in Humboldt. They need Christ. Three times Paul said, a great door is opened unto me. Three times. One in 1 Corinthians, one in 2 Corinthians, one in Colossians. He said there's a door of opportunity, and I see this as a door of opportunity. And I see this church with the ability, the resource, everything that can meet that challenge of reaching a community. This is a great door. And if I understand anything about Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, these are seven real churches that Jesus addressed. He wrote seven letters to these. Read them sometime. It's, it's not that you, you could read them probably in 10 minutes. But some of these churches were... Jesus was not very happy with some of these things that was going on. I need to tell you this. Not even Faith Community Church has a secure and permanent place in the world. The church is always continuously on trial because the Lord of the church walks among the churches and he sees us. He sees me, he sees you. And what we do. Folks, we have a work to be done. There's a fight to, that needs to be fought and a word to champion, and but more than anything else, saints, we have a Savior to be loved and a world that needs to know Him. That's how I see it. There are some sheets out on the back uh, table there, <clears throat> on the uh, information table. We need to start seeing some names. We need to see some names on prayer ministry, leadership ministry, launch team, life group leaders. 
so that we can get the high-centeredness out, out of the situation. And they're available for you right now after this service is over. Would you stand? Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and also a light unto our path. But your word is also something else. Your word is instructional. Your word is motivational. Your word gives us a, uh, a, 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 a base to do the work of ministry in a very lost world. Father, I pray that complacency, I pray that uh, casualness will not be the item that holds us back, but Father, that we will be urged by your Spirit to move out by faith to seize the opportunities that you have presented us. Father, I thank you for this. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. Lift your hands. Father, may the Lord bless and keep your people. Father, may you cause your face to shine upon our lives, into our lives, and then through us. Father, I pray may the, may the beacons of hope resonate from our hearts and from this church into the lost areas of our community, the immediate community that we're surrounded by. Father, I pray that you'll help us, that you'll empower us and give us the enablement of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week in Christ.